Hey everyone, welcome to the Business Alabama podcast from Business Alabama Magazine. I'm Alec Harvey, Executive Editor of Business Alabama Magazine, and my guest today is Chris Wilder, CEO of SEPCO, the family-owned manufacturer of sealing equipment products that's based in Alabaster. On this episode, Chris talks about taking over the business at a young age, how his company made it through COVID-19 relatively unscathed, and a little bit about his love for live music. Please join us as we talk to Chris Wilder on the Business Alabama podcast. Hey, Chris, welcome to the Business Alabama podcast. Hi, Alec. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, Chris, can we start with the Chris Wilder origin story, where you came from, and how you ended up where you are today? I was born in Ohio. I had uh, young parents, and my father was a brand new college graduate, and he was kicking around at different jobs. I think he, I think he literally was a grave digger for a bit. He was an insurance adjuster, and uh, and of all things, his new father-in-law. Uh, got him a, a salesman training job, and uh, my father was from New York, lived all his life in in New York, uh, went to school in Ohio, and got his first real job, and they sent him to Louisiana, uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. And <laughs> a little and bit of a culture to- shock there, huh? Absolutely. He and my mother would tell the funniest stories about they didn't know what the people were eating. They didn't know what they were saying. They didn't know what they were wearing, but they did really like it. And that was in the industrial sales business. And one thing led to another, led my father to Birmingham, Alabama, where he started his own uh, industrial distribution company. At that time, I was a first grader um, and moved to Birmingham uh, and started you know, first grade and, and grew up in our family business, learning products and customers and, and, you know, the, the service level that was required to keep those customers happy, went off to college, went to Auburn university, married with kids. And, uh, my father, while I was in college had started a new business, it was a manufacturing business an industrial manufacturer and graduated college on a Thursday and uh, went to work at at the new business on Monday and been here ever since. Just a few years into it, my father unexpectedly passed away uh, at an early age, 51. We were fortunate that we had an excellent management team in position of which I was a part of, and we have been growing the business ever since. I love the graduating on Thursday and and going to work on Monday. Was that always the plan? Are you surprised that you're sitting where you are right now, 30 some odd years later, or did you know what your future held? Yeah, that's, that's, that's really a good question. And I actually at, at my, uh, my age now, I probably think more about it these days. I really can't recall a real discussion about what I was going to do with my father. I, 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 like I said, I grew up in the industry. I mean, I've been sweeping floors on Saturday mornings and working over Christmas and summer breaks from as long as I can remember. And, and I think it was almost just more of an understood thing that I understood that's what I was going to do. He understood that's what I wanted to do. And it just sort of, it just sort of happened. 
So were you a business major at Auburn? Did you know enough about your future to do that? I did. I, I was a, uh, a business management uh, major, which, given my particular situation, the way it worked out, was a pretty good one. It taught me a little bit about a lot of things, um, and and that suits my role in in what I do here at work. Um, you know, we've got some great experts that can really drill down into some subjects much better than I can, but uh, I know just enough to be dangerous about a lot of stuff. <laughs> so what do these people do at SEPCO, Chris? I realize it's pretty specialized, but when you meet somebody, meet a stranger who asks what you do, yeah. what do you tell them about SEPCO? So we're a manufacturer. The easiest description is we make a line of industrial pump parts. In, in, in greater detail, we make these parts that help the process industries. Anybody from pulp and paper to chemical processing to mining, power generation, water and wastewater treatment, food and beverage production. We help them operate more efficiently, reduce energy, uh, conserve natural resources. We are specifically manufacturing a series of parts that uh, help seal their rotating equipment industrial pumps, industrial valves, all kinds of other operational rotating equipment. And uh, we make the sealing device that keeps that equipment from leaking, helps protect it from thermal damage, um, and like I said, help, helps, helps conserve resources and energy. We also manufacture a line of high-performance uh, industrial plastic parts that get used in this industrial sealing industry. And then we also manufacture uh, a line of aerospace parts that sort of help manage uh, heat and abrasion for the aerospace industry. I would assume that it surprises a lot of people, particularly those who are not in the business at all, uh, to find out where all of these parts come from. Yeah, exactly. We're in a very uh, unique siloed industry, one that, that certainly most people don't even know exists. Uh, you know, we have certainly a, uh, our fair share of competitors in the United States and, and globally. So, you know, there are, there are probably literally thousands of us working in this industry. But uh, yeah, it, it, you know, I'll, I'll meet somebody at a, a party or an event and we get to the question of what do you do? And it's always a, well, you want the short answer or the long answer? Um, and, and you, and generally most people are, are fairly interested. Um, we're a little bit unique in that, uh, we sit in a, we, we've got about 150,000 square foot manufacturing facility here, here just South of Birmingham. And while most of our products achieve the same purpose of sealing industrial equipment, they're manufactured, the product lines are manufactured in completely different fashion. So uh, we're almost a combination of six or seven totally different businesses under one roof. Um, you know, we're everything from a precision machine shop to a textile manufacturing operation, to a production stamping high volume automation, to a uh, 
a molding and uh, die forming operation. So it, it really is kind of neat. Certainly makes it a bit challenging in that uh, we deal with, I, I think at last count, we had like 30 something thousand stock unit part numbers. Wow. So, so keeping track of, of the movement of materials from, you know, in, in the receiving door to out the shipping door is a challenge. So we have folks here that, uh, specialize, you know, in everything from inventory control to, uh, you know, efficient manufacturing principles to uh, engineering, product design, accounting, information technology. Um, you know, we have we have more computer networks here than uh, I would have ever imagined we'd have when I first started in this business. So a little bit of everything. How many folks do you have there, Chris? We have about 100 here in Birmingham. And then we have a uh, second facility out in near Austin, Texas, where we manufacture our, our precision plastics. And uh, that's got another dozen or so out there. So Chris, you've been at the company or at least around the company for 35, 40 years. Yep. Can you talk about the changes you've seen in the industry over those decades? Yeah. You know, um, uh, certainly, you know, one of the biggest changes I, I think has, has been the the, the way the digital technology has, has, you know, even come to our industrial manufacturing marketplace. Y you know, we are from A to Z involved in it from product design to, you know, to, to marketing and advertising. Um, some of our biggest m maybe challenges uh, over the years as, I, as I've been here We've made a number of acquisitions over the years, and uh, those are always challenging, um, but really exciting. You know, typically it's getting us into a new market or a new uh, segment of products. And, uh, you know, speed usually is, uh, speed and timing is important. And, and you know, trying to get rapidly uh, to the top of personnel and logistics and market research it can be a bit nerve wracking, um, but it's, it's really fun. But those have been some of the, I think, most challenging and, and I don't want to say stressful, but, but challenging times is a good way to put it. Um, I think, you know, one of the, one of the more tough things we've had to learn over, over the years, uh, as we truly have opened uh, operations outside of our one facility as, as we've gone to a multi-operation business learning to keep that that corporate culture and that communication as as we truly become a uh you know operating in multiple states with multiple locations um uh certainly is challenging um i think we've done a, a an admirable job at it but uh that was that was a true um you know, modification to our way of thinking when we're trying to, I don't know, trying to do some type of uh, employee welfare program and we roll it out and then somebody says, hey, what are we going to do about Texas? We got to remember to ship these goods or, in, you know, um, so there, there have been a few gotchas, but uh, we work hard at, uh, at that kind of stuff. So speaking of challenges and stress, let's talk about the past year. Can you tell me how you feel SEPCO 
has handled and is handling the pandemic and all that entails? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, uh, you know, I, I was and am really proud of how our team responded, um, you know, to the pandemic. I can certainly, you know, report at this time we're in we're in great shape, and and uh, the numbers of our employees that are vaccinated are are coming up every day. Um, so so I think I agree with with most folks that definitely feel like the light at the end of the tunnel is is not a train, but uh, it, it truly is daylight. Uh, I, I recognize we're not there yet, but. Uh, we're getting there. Our team responded pretty quickly, actually, and I think it mitigated, uh, you know, many of the problems uh, that could have impacted us. We are a manufacturer. Um, you know, we were deemed a an essential critical manufacturer, you know, by the um, Department of Homeland Security, um, you know, with our relationship to Oh, power generation and aerospace and, and transportation and, and, you know, water security and uh so so we make things and that's very difficult to do from a at-home setting so uh most of our team was here on a daily basis continuing to uh produce product we certainly made many contingencies uh, had lots of plans um Certainly, we had some segment of uh you know the uh the office team working from home more so in preparation and practice should we really have a major impact and felt the need to uh you know really keep people home so we would we would have different teams staying home for a couple of days at a time just to be uh rehearsing and drilling uh, you know, uh, for the potential and, and, you know, checking out computer networks and, and that sort of thing. Um, but as far as modifications go, Alec, you know, we, we did everything from, uh, you know, staggering our shifts to controlling access to our facility to, you know, the obvious, you know, uh, six foot social distancing and hand sanitizing and mask wearing, you know, we had to modify some workstations and, uh, you know, we, we've got a, we've got a safety team and, you know, had them constantly, uh, you know, evaluating and reviewing, uh, work environments and, and, uh, trying to spot those opportunities of, you know, a potential spread situation and, uh, uh, you know, reworking a lot of our day-to-day situations. And I guess with with the way your business is spread out among a number of different states, some of the basic logistical stuff that 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 many of us had to deal with coming into this as far as staying in touch and having meetings you all were already doing. You know, we were we were very fortunate, I think, uh in that we uh of all things adopted the Zoom technology about three or four years ago and when nobody had ever heard of it and, and our team, you know, we've got a network of, of regional managers around the country and uh, we had been having weekly meetings over zoom for years. So, so our team was uh, you know, that was nothing. I think what did change though is uh, that was always, 
an internal tool for us. Uh, we'd really never used it externally with our, uh, you know, our customer base at all. And uh, since COVID, uh, you know, we have definitely, you know, brought, you know, that, that video conferencing aspect to, you know, helping our customers uh, with training, with troubleshooting. That was the, uh, you know, kind of the new technology adaptation we made was going from internal use to external use. So, speaking of technology, I'd like to end today with something we call business casual. It's just a quick look at podcasts you might be listening to, books you might be reading, movies you might be going to now that we can get back to the movies. Uh, these can be business-oriented or fun stuff that just helps you unwind after a long day or a long week. You mind if I pick your brain? Yeah. So, do you listen to podcasts? Do you have a favorite? So, so I, I'll answer you literally. I just came back from lunch a little bit ago, and I was stuck in traffic, and I was literally listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast. Uh, I think it's called Conan Needs a Friend or something. And it's just hysterical and irreverent and uh, certainly in some, uh, over the last year, uh, in some, you know, I, I haven't been without my pandemic stress. It has been, it, it has been a really fun break to listen to that, you know, on my commute some. That's literally been my, my, my latest uh, podcast obsession. What about books, Chris? Are you reading anything? You know, lately I have been just completely hooked on World War II uh, novels. Um, those novels that are based on actual events. Um, you know, m maybe there's a little bit of a creative license that gets taken. But I have just been devouring those things like candy. At least the way I read. And that's, that's in bed at night. Maybe maybe ten pages at a time, five or which uh, are, are the five pages from last night, and then five of the new ones. Um, it's probably a really boring answer. I read in bed, and I'm bad to take the book jackets off because they they make noise and flop around and get in the way a little bit. So a lot of times I'm just reading a green book or a blue book, and I completely forget, you know. 300 pages in, I'm forgetting the, the, the author and the names and the stories all start to run together. Um, so if I were to ask you for a recommendation, you'd say definitely the blue one. That's what you'd say. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when you're not watching something or listening to something or reading the blue book, uh, what do you do to unwind? Anything else? You know, my current probably unwinding obsession, um, I have become a uh, road cyclist maybe much to many people around me's dismay. I, I try and be as safe as I can. Um, and, uh, uh, but I have gotten hooked on it. Some of the, you know, for, for exercise and the thrill of it, 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 it's really fun. And, you know, there's some great, great local groups that I'll get out and ride with on the weekends and we'll go 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 miles. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a great way to burn some calories, but, uh, work off any residual stress. And, um, it's just really fun. I, I've, for the most part early on in the pandemic, um, certainly those, those habits changed and it became a little bit of a solo affair, but, uh, you know, as things is eased, you know, riding bikes with some folks outside has actually, you know, worked out pretty well. 
you know, I, I, I love to listen to some, some live music. I certainly miss that. I might have snuck to maybe one event uh, of some live music on a on a small setting, and uh, and it it made me a little uncomfortable, and I didn't last too long. But uh, you know, I look forward to kind of getting back to 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 you know that world again. There's just something about you know a live performer, whether it's music or or even a uh, you know a play or a show or or something. Uh, there's something just really unique about that talents, which I do not possess. Uh, but, uh, I really do miss some of that. Chris, one last question, and I'm going to take you back to your office. What is the most fun thing about your job? What would you tell somebody? Oh man, you know, I guess the, I guess the funnest, the best part of it, the, the most fulfilling part is, you know, when, when we've got a, a challenge, whether it's operational, logistical, whatever, when we have to design something new from a product to a procedure, um, you know, when we, when we get a team together and, you know, we're, we're facing an obstacle and people are, people are brainstorming and thinking and, and organizing, it's really fun when, Lots of those, uh, uh, you, you know, all the different routes that those things can take, and and you know, uh, the healthy debates and arguments and and decisions when it comes full circle and it starts to work and we 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 start to check it off as a completed task. That that really is fulfilling, and and I think that's what's maybe you know helped me to be able to be in this job for. I'm afraid to say, I think like 35 years now, um, uh, you know, finding the the satisfaction in those smaller successes, um, you know, it it really is the funnest part of it. And I've learned to um, enjoy that. And and, and fortunately, we we get more things right than we get wrong. We'll make a mistake or two here or there, but but usually um, all of our team has their their heart and their soul in the right place. And um, uh, we get more right than we do wrong. What a great note to end on in a conversation that hits so many different kinds of notes. Chris, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Absolutely. Been, been my pleasure. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Nice talking with you. Thank you again to Chris Wilder and to you, the listener, for joining me today on the Business Alabama podcast. Until next time, this is Alec Harvey. Find more from Business Alabama in our monthly magazine and online at businessalabama.com.